Welcome to episode two of the Power Up podcast. I just want to take a quick minute just to thank anyone and um, that sent a message or any feedback on episode one. It seemed to have been taken really well uh, and was really happy with uh, any feedback that came back. Um, so just thanks for listening. If you haven't listened to that one, make sure to go back and listen to it now. It was with Kieran Byrne and it was a really, really good episode. Um, so you don't want to miss that. Hopefully you enjoy episode two now just as much. It's with Ryan Devlin, who is a performance coach with Sheffield Wednesday overseas. Um, and we just basically take a deep dive into Ryan's journey so far, how he's got over to there uh, and where he's hoping to go in the future. And then we also looked at uh, what Ryan believes it takes to live a powered up life. So yeah, let's get into the episode, grab a coffee and enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Power Up podcast. Uh, today we're joined by Ryan Devlin. Ryan is a strength and conditioning coach or performing coach, which would you like to be, which would you like to be called? So um, on my Instagram, it's performance coach, but my job title for Sheffield Wednesday is lead sports scientist, just working with the 18s. Happy days, happy days. Yeah, so he's over with Sheffield Wednesday at the moment overseas. Ryan has a pretty awesome story. Um, I've heard bits of it before. Um, so looking forward to you hearing it and delving a wee bit dive, or delving a wee bit deeper into it. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Uh, it's obviously an honour to have you on. Um, I've known Ryan for a while now. We actually went to the same school, uh, since Coleman's College, Newry, and uh, we actually worked in the same bar a few good few years ago now. Um, so uh, yeah, we were behind the bar with each other, the right side of the bar um working away so yeah then we took different paths and um hooked up around a few months ago again and heard a story and thought it was fascinating so that's why i wanted to get him onto the podcast here so ryan for anyone that doesn't know who you are um who are you and what makes you so special god great question mate i'm still trying to figure out that one <laughs> um so basically yes so um name's ryan devlin um obviously from county down around live close to Ronan. Um, basically, kind of my story, kind of my pathway. Um, so I work within the sports science SSC industry. So I went to John Moore's Liverpool and got a sports science degree. And then I finished with a master's in strength and conditioning for a year. And after that, uh, towards the end of my master's placement, I done a stint with Ulster Rugby for about six weeks. Um, working with obviously the Ulster Rugby first team, uh, which included some like international athletes as well. Um, from then, I was kind of getting in that kind of grey area of what to do in terms of going into the industry, because if people who listen to this know that the industry is massively saturated and there's a loads of graduates being pumped out year in, year out, um, and there's a very little jobs within the industry. So I was fortunate to get an opportunity to work with Crew Alexandra first team. Uh, they're currently in League One. Um, and from there, I spent 14 months with them at the first team. And then I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to work with Sheffield Wednesday under 18s. And I have now been here for about 14 months. So kind of my main job role, just working with the 18s and sometimes dipping into the 23s. There are like, there's a lot of crossover between the two squads. So that's kind of my journey up to date and up to scratch. Unreal, yeah, and um, what I'm going to do is obviously delve a wee bit deeper into that and a few questions around it and stuff. Um, but how's things at the moment? How are you finding lockdown life? Has it affected you much? Uh, what are you up to? Yeah, so basically, we uh, on the first lockdown, we got put in furlough and I was home for about four months and um, just back in Ireland, which was great because obviously over the past couple of years, I haven't been able to spend much time at home. 
since I've been in England. But uh, since that, yes, we've been operating as normal because we are under the elite setting. So we've kind of been full time ever since. Um, currently training off-site at a different facility just because of the kind of COVID restrictions, etc. But again, yeah, playing matches week in, week out, getting our training done. Um, big week coming up this week with Leicester and Youth Cup on a Friday night, which will be good. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's been operating as normal now for about since July, the whole way through the season. So yeah, it's been good. Hasn't really affected me too much. Personally. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're one of the lucky ones that have got to operate as normal uh, for the most of it. Like, yeah, listen, there is there is some there has been some restrictions with it, but all in all, it's been it's been a decent enough program so far. And we're kind of trying to run things as smoothly as we can. Yeah, happy days, happy days. So yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna jump back a few years. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, Ryan and myself went to St Coman's College. Um, so just looking back at St Coman's. Was there always, obviously, I know you played Gaelic football and stuff. Did you play soccer as well? Uh, and also, did you have like an interest in the gym at, the, at that stage or at that age? So I've always been, uh, I've always played sport. I still do play sport, still play Gaelic football. And I've always played Gaelic football. Um, so I think that going through university or going through St. Coleman's College, I don't think the gym was much of a thing. There was always, there was kind of that... Uh, it's kind of an issue of people saying you can't train legs, it makes you bulky and all, and all this kind of stuff, which is not, myths. which is not true. <laughs> Just yeah. gonna put that out there. Um, but after that, to be honest with you, when I the only thing I knew I was ever interested in was in sport. Um, so then I chose to do the sport and exercise science degree. At the start of that, being realistic, I didn't really know what I was going to get into. I just thought I want to work with an elite team. I didn't know whether that would be through sports science, fitness coach physiotherapy, where all I knew is that I just like sport, essentially. So, and then I was, I was a massive Liverpool fan, still am. So then I decided, for like, I'll go to Liverpool, play a bit of football, <laughs> party a bit, uh, and do a degree. That was then on. So then I think it was probably second year of university, I really started to have an interest in the whole strength conditioning side of things um, and how things can work together in a kind of human body. Um, so within that, there was a in second year there was a strength initiative internship which is one through the university which is really really good and i really really enjoyed that also done that in third year and then thankfully as soon as i finished my degree they opened up a new msc in strength initiative john murray so we were the first cohort so the first msc in strength initiative john murray so we were the first cohort and went on to that and then obviously that's kind of where where my journey uh led from there so we spent a year doing that full-time and then into the the kind of experience working world essentially yeah and, um, in terms of like, your parents and stuff were they happy enough for you to go down that route or did you ever get the old talk like uh oh no you need to do something proper business or accountancy yeah 100 percent. i think this like yes definitely did like um my, my parents were always like for me going to england you'll go out there see new experiences and all that that was no problem but there always was the questions of right because it's people in sports science people probably consider it a kind of not i wouldn't say a waffly waffly um degree but you know there's not there's not many jobs not like your typical accountancy or your business studies where you can just walk into a job do you know what i mean you yeah, have to no, really, really no straight path, like... there's no straight path you have to really really get experience and have to put your your neck out there and get experience this is all about cv because i think that the gap is that you can do a master's and a sports science degree but it doesn't prepare you for what you do when you step into like a multidisciplinary environment working with a coach working with an analyst working with a physio 
uh, what yeah, the and, 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 deal, and dealing with people on a day-to-day basis, you don't learn that in MSC. So I think it was, yeah, but I've had to work hard to prefer. Like when I was a crew, I worked part-time in a bar as well. So we've done that for a year. And then it was thankfully to land my first kind of full-time role within Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And um, did you find that you missed Gaelic then uh, when you actually went over to Liverpool or how was that? Yeah, to be fair, like, I, yeah, like I, I still do miss Gaelic back home. I think the standards, the standards back home were great. Um, but I've always played it. I played for Liverpool John Moores the whole way through, and then I played for John Mitchells for two years, and then now I'm currently in Yorkshire playing for St Vincent Sheffield. So I'm up in the Yorkshire League now. So yeah, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a moving about in terms of the Gaelic scene. Yeah, I was going to say, has it been hard watching like Kilku, um, doing so well and thinking like, what if kind of thing? Like yeah, yeah, I always get that question. It has been. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I don't think it's worth. My career essentially for, for playing Gaelic football, do you know what I mean? But I'll still always play it. And then if it comes a chance where I come back, or maybe even if we go down to like London and play down there, or even back in the Northwest, I'll, I'll definitely take the opportunity wherever it is. Like, yeah. And I want to think, um, like when you're growing up, you think everything just has to revolve around playing football and playing sport. Like, and then whenever sort of career, like whenever you sort of get to that stage, you're like, what am I doing with my life here? Like, yeah, it does think, have to yeah, take a back step, like. 100%. And I think the thing is, like, when, when you're over here, you're playing football, like over here, you can get paid massive amounts of playing football or soccer over here. Like, but in, in Ireland, um, it's, it's still an amateur sport at the end of the day. Like, as much as to try to kind of gloss it up, it is still an amateur sport. Um, but I think the standards, when they come to the strength condition, say the standards are definitely going through the roof, like physical development and, um, the flag development are massively coming up now, um, especially within the GA, which I do see. Like, and then you look at your Dublins and teams like that, and they're just blitzing teams left, right, and centre because of the kind of physical state they're in. Yeah, they've, they've definitely been the example. Like, on the show, yeah, they're, they're, they're showing all the teams like the importance of it. Like, so anyone yeah, that didn't buy in before, like, is sort exactly of they, they are they, especially that Dublin. I always take my hat off to Dublin because they are they're just complete athletes. Like. And it's real other than down there as well. Yeah. And then moving on to obviously uh, you get the Masters uh, and Crew Alexander comes calling. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I got the way that worked out is one of the, one of the lecturers in John Murs basically knew the head of performance at uh, Crew Alexander and he rang me when I was in Ireland and basically said there was an opportunity and literally snapped, snapped his right arm off and literally within a week it jumped on a plane and moved straight back to Liverpool then. Yeah, <laughs> back, to my, back to my old apartment so that's kind of how that worked out so it was literally there was a grey area within four weeks where I was like jeez what am I going to do now like yeah yeah and then uh, what? so what was it like actually like going going into like a professional setup and like go, like actually getting in behind the scenes because I know like Crew Alexander while they're still like further down the, um, in the leagues like that's still like that's still a professional club there's, there's supporters behind that club and stuff um, and it's obviously a professional setup um, with the likes of yourself in there. So what was it like to go into like a real professional setup and actually have an impact in there? Yeah, like crew, crew, crew was great for me. Like I learned like a lot of my trade and crew and I learned how to learn quickly because I remember the first two or three days that I went in there, I was like, I want to, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, but I didn't know any of the players' names at all. I think that was definitely a massive kind of, wake up call so if any advice walking into a job with an SNC I would say don't try and put your stamp on anything within the first four to six weeks literally just get to know people don't yeah, try and change anything first. see how things operate get to know people be be likable 
But I think that was definitely a big kind of eye opener in terms of how things are wrung about. It's it's massively to do with communication between people, like definitely. You know, and then um, what led then really to the next jump in Sheffield Wednesday, how that sort of come about and what was the thought process when like when leaving crew even? Yeah, so basically the um, the job came up and I applied for it and I was grateful to get an interview. And obviously done well in the interview and I got offered the position and just thought it was the kind of right move for me as it was a full-time position. It was kind of the full-time management of my own squad and I thought it was just ready for the step up. So and obviously Sheffield Wednesday is a massive club as well, a massive championship club. So yeah, I just thought it was the right, the right decision for me and was grateful to move up and then just started working away. And did you notice any um, difference or like even difference in the level or the seriousness or anything like that, even the culture of the club? I know it's different um, clubs have different cultures and also what what did you sort of notice was the big differences then moving? Yeah, I think, I think I've, I've got this question before and I think that the main difference in them roles was definitely the different clientele that I was dealing with. So in the first team, you would have had pros who had played their whole career. And then you would have had your 20, 21 year olds who were trying to break into the first team, but then going down and working with 16 to 18 year olds. Um, yeah, just in terms of buy-in and a lot more educational focus because they, they're coming into a gym and you need to really, really explain to them why they're doing it and what, how it's going to benefit them in the football pitch. And I think just different ways of communicating with the lads, like certain types of, like, for example, with my lads, like they, they listen to a certain type of music. So when I come in, I'll put on their certain type of music just to get a bit of buy-in into the program, et cetera. But I think it's just it's yeah. just just different communication channels and different communication skills I'm going to do with the lads, you know? Yeah, No one went to be tough, but then pull back and have a bit of banter, but then not, it's it's very thin line between being like a balance, like... Yeah, getting that balance right is key, I think, at that age as well. Yeah, and even at that age, like, them even buying, like, in, like into what you're trying to teach them and the trust behind that there um, is probably harder for younger people as well because they just want to play football at that age. Whereas yeah, exactly. probably see the benefits and know the benefits of, like, doing stuff outside of training and stuff even to, to up their game, like. Exactly. I think, like, one of my questions I always tell people that the lads, the young lads say to me is, like, why do we have to do gym? Is Messi probably doesn't do gym. Yeah. I'm just like, listen, if you can, if you can do what Messi does, mate, you don't have yeah, to. Fair enough. Don't have to <laughs> I'll stand back. Do don't worry about it. Um, but I think, yeah, just about it. it it's it's really about edu- educating them. Really like sitting down and educating them and having like having our chats about right. I can help you develop your explosiveness. I can help you develop your speed. I can help you develop whatever you need to develop. But it definitely takes that kind of first chat buy-in to really get them on board with what you're trying to do definitely and you'll find that the like the fact that you've worked with that age group as well will help you even when you go to the next step with the older ages and stuff um because you'll have been through that period of like how to get people's buy-in how to educate people and stuff whereas others who just jump up and sort of go with the flow um yeah experience like no exactly like and even over, over the past over the past six months having a deal with lockdown i've had to adapt my practice so much um which has definitely been a massive learning curve and a good learning curve. Like we've had to do lots of stuff over Zoom and I've had to provide them with home workouts. And there's been times where we've we've had a 10-day lockdown, because like a 10-day in-house lockdown because of COVID. And then we're coming off and we have a two-game week. So how, how do you prepare for that when you yeah. can't really go outside and do any running because you're, you're, you're bound to the house? So listen, it's, it's been definitely been a really, really good learning curve. And again, going back to your point, yeah, there's, 
a lot of stuff which I'll take from this period into my next role or whatever kind of the journey takes me definitely from an educational standpoint as well as kind of dealing with different situations. Yeah, and I'd say that was even a big wake-up call. You know, during the first lockdowns, I remember there was uncertainty, uncertainty sorry, about when football actually resumes and stuff. So you're like, yeah. what sort of training do you do? Like, Because you don't know if it does turn around and be like, yeah, you know what, we're starting back next week or whether they're going to go through a whole pre-season again for teams and stuff. So I'd say that was difficult to sort of try and manage. Yeah, it was because it was interesting. I'm sure the lads done about 16 weeks of just running around outside. Um, so trying to keep them motivated for that was, was tough. Like, um, yeah. And then again, like in terms of like a periodization model and a plan, do you kind of prepare them for the sport or do you kind of take about six weeks to build a bit of a base and then transition into a more kind of high-paced program or where do you stand it? So yeah, that was quite difficult in time, yeah. Yeah, because you, you, yeah, you don't know any time period, so you can't... Yeah, exactly. You so literally you can't, can't plan. plan like, yeah. yeah, but I suppose everyone was in the same boat um, and I sort of evened it out a wee bit. Like, um, so yeah, I'd say that, that, that'll stand by you going forward now um, if there ever is periods of like, like don't know when sort of stuff's resuming or stuff stops randomly and stuff like that there. Hopefully it doesn't yeah. happen again, obviously, like, but know, at least you're prepared yeah. now and stuff. And then I just want to go back to um, Ulster Rugby as well, because um, obviously that, that's that's a, like Ulster Rugby is massive. That's that's basically you're nearly at the pinnacle of rugby and stuff. So what was it like to go into that sort of facilities, even um, like state of the art facilities, um, like top coaches and even being around top top names in terms of rugby? What was that sort of experience like? Yeah, that. That was that was so that was my first real experience of elite environment, and I suppose I literally went from zero to a hundred, yeah. <laughs> literally, really, um, because I was literally going from came back from a master, came back from the masters in Ireland, then went went to Ulster Rugby, and it was insane. Like you had eight sixty eight physios, and you had performance coaches, you had speed coaches, the the, the model that they had in place, the facilities it was just unbelievable. Like the the standards and the just pure professionalism of everyone was crazy. Like it wasn't what I was expecting. I didn't think it was expected to be like that. Um, and they had stuff like everything was just the way their systems flowed. Like they would have done gym sessions, then they would have had an overhead of protein straight after with the creatine. And it was just, yeah, it was an eye-opener. And I think it was then from then as well, where I really thought this is this is good. Sorry, want to be like yeah, this is the what, what I what I want to create to be like, yeah. definitely. But it was and- it was yeah. You can even, uh, I suppose you can even learn stuff from other sports. Like a lot of people might just like stick within their area. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas now you have a bit of like uh, understanding of behind GA, then rugby, and now obviously soccer as well. And whatever you go on to further do. Is that something you want to do? Stay within soccer or is there other sports you want to delve into? Um, to be honest, yeah, I, do, I do love the, the team sport. Um, personally, listen, if an opportunity came came around I wouldn't say I would say no but I do love the team sport I love the team kind of environment and I love the the everyone as a team trying to with the same purpose to win matches and get iron table so I would say for me I've always said I want to stay within kind of team sport whether that be in football but I do love football as well though yeah it'd be one of my favorite sports to watch even as well like yeah yeah I'd probably stick around that yeah definitely happy days happy days and has it, like has there ever been a time where you have actually wanted to just pack it in and thought like like I don't know if this is gonna work kind of thing like I, I'm not sure like I'm I'm am I making a mistake? 
Yeah, no, no, don't get me wrong. There has been times where I've been a bit down in the dumps, um, especially with like situations, like financial situations and stuff. And it's like, right, is this ever going to work out? Do you know what I mean? Get a full-time position. And it's it's all about biding your time and waiting. But I think it goes back to the same thing. Is like, I think if you really, really want something that bad, you just you just have to work for it and hold it out because it will happen. Like You can't be going and putting in all that effort to not get to the place you want to get to. Yeah, and I suppose when you're so passionate about it, it makes it really yeah, easy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, if, you're, if, you're truly if you're truly passionate around, about something, I don't think you could... Uh, I just don't think I would have it in me to ever kind of deviate from that path. So, I mean, if you're truly passionate about it, that is, you know. Yeah, and it probably does. The, the, pro, the fact that it is tough to, to make it in the strength and conditioning industry probably is a good thing because it weeds out those who, who aren't fit for it kind of thing, whereas the ones that, like, as you say... Like you were whenever you were with crew, like sitting doing a part time job on the side, and maybe working long hours and just doing what you got to do basically till actually like basically uh, don't know how to put it across, but you're Facilit- basically facilitate do- that, yeah, yeah, like you're like you're putting that stuff in, to, like you're nearly putting that groundwork in that you have to put in, but you'll reap the rewards in the long term if you get me. That's what I mean, and I think that. Uh, well, listen, I don't know, but some people in the industry probably drop off after a while and just get fed up with it because it doesn't work out. But any advice I would give, I'd just say stick at it and try and get yourself out there as much and speak to people and connect with people and make connections, etc. But it is, listen, it is a tough industry to crack. I'm not, not going to lie. Like, you need to know people. You need to be knowledgeable. It needs to be nice. And just yeah. when you're saying about talking to people there as, as well, I know you're working with um, Coach Sportland. How mm-hmm. how has that been, or what have you learned from him, kind of thing? Yeah, I'm still still working with him at the minute, to be honest. With you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been really really good. Sam's definitely been a massive. Um, I only recently started the Instagram page. I'd say about eight months ago, six eight months ago now, and it was at the start of his mentorship program. So he has definitely been a massive kind of um met like a mentorship figure in this kind of progression of late um definitely like some of the values he has in his mentorship it's not just about like obviously really really good strength initiative and speed knowledge but also we do a lot of personal development work on working on ourselves okay. and if we work on ourselves then we can our, our coaching's better our processes are better our assistance better so yeah definitely i'm still continuing to work with them like we have a call on my like, friday night so every two weeks and anyone who's listened to this i would highly recommend to get on his uh, mentorship program we we plugged her <laughs> we plugged her yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah no that's, that seems to be a recurrent theme from different people i've been talking to as well is like if you can get yourself right um all the stuff around you will sort of fall into place as well or will improve as well as you improve like um so well but no i suppose like how, how was it as well like not a lot of young lads or young people at all could sort of survive by themselves if you get me so like whenever you went over a crew i'm sure was there anyone come over with you or were you just by yourself or so when when i first went to uni um i just went over my own but i've always been like i think it was in personality i've always been like that like getting myself out there quite a extrovert you know what i mean so i think it definitely boils down to personality but yeah again with the crew thing like if i hadn't got the crew opportunity i was still for going back to england anyway i had made the choice that there's a lot more opportunities in England, whether to work with semi-professional teams, there's rugby, there's football, there's whatever sports. So I was always, always going to come back over anyway. And it's literally, again, going back to the point about being passionate. Like I was like, oh, this is the only thing I want to do. Like, so it has yeah. to be done. Like, yeah, you're going to make it work. Like, <laughs> yeah, literally going to make it work and that would be it. That's class. And then I suppose that shows like 
proper resilience and like patience is what like patience that people wouldn't have and commitment that people wouldn't have and um, so like fair play that's that's unbelievable like it just shows how passionate you actually are and then sort of moving towards the future then um what is the aim what's the next steps what's the vision uh well i think that because i've recently started my instagram page as well already performance i think the vision for it is to just kind of build that up as much as i can and um, listen it's it's listen, these things slow process isn't it just trying to add value where I can and just trying to help as many people as I can um, because there's a lot of kind of bad practice around there and people getting injured and pick up injuries. And I think that strength and mission is undervalued as well. Right? When we speak about stuff and have talks and stuff, like it's definitely undervalued. Um, and then in terms of a career progression, like I'm more than happy in my position at the minute. Like I love working with the lads. Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday is great. But I suppose just seeing what opportunities come up, and if it's right for me, it's right. It's right for me, like you know. Um, yeah. But ideally, listen, there's always the glitz and glamour of being ahead of performance in the Premier League team, isn't there? Like, isn't yeah. it from that, like, but listen, them Why jobs not? are, <laughs> them jobs are very, very hard to come by, and they're hard to get, and it's a lot of right. patience with them. So yeah, then again, just trying, yeah, exactly. We're just trying to develop where I can, and and just keep improving in the daily yeah, and the weekly, get, getting yourself out there. Uh, yeah, as exactly. Been, like, and then are you planning on, so for the, obviously for your own sort of performance and mm-hmm. um, Instagram and stuff, are you planning on doing like working with people individually as well as having that sort of role within a team? Yeah, yeah. I think that definitely for now, definitely with the, um, so I do online programming and I maintain that, that uh, contact with my clients, et cetera. And then again, just, yeah, just adding value at the minute. It's, it's no problem doing both at the same time. Like. Um, yeah and you'll find that in the long term that'll that'll do you well um providing this value and stuff now while you mightn't be getting much benefit out of it um you will start to see it build and stuff yeah of course and i think think people's trust and like like people will will actually start to see the value in it the more that um strength condition is growing as we can see like exactly man i think that like especially with the instagram the kind of social media platform it's basically like an online cv as well so yeah. literally, if, if if I go for a position and, and I've got an employer, they can just type my name and they can see all my stuff. And, and then it's a case of, do they like you? Do they like you? If they don't, they don't. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> something I've that. actually, that's something I've noticed with the strength and conditioning area. It's like, it's very much like, <laughs> what's your CV like kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Even like talking to a few guys, they were like, um, I don't think, like they didn't have their masters and stuff. So that automatically put them like, made, made it harder for them to actually get those opportunities because yeah. someone literally just had a master's more than them so they like their opportunities like widened and um, way further you know what i mean and um, just because literally of what it says on their cv like which is mad yeah literally it's, it's it's mad because like you can have like coaches that probably don't have a master's but they have had like six seven eight years experience and they're phenomenal yeah. coaches like it just doesn't mean but i suppose it's the way it is like you have to meet a certain criteria to get through to the next round of a, of a job like and probably the way they stack them it's like you have people with have your your sports science you have your degree and then you have your masters and then your phd and yeah. naturally they're going to pick the people with phds for the first round and then yeah i suppose they have to narrow them down somewhere yeah, like. they, they, have, they have to yeah yeah of course so uh and then in terms of sheffield wellington now how how's it going with the under 18s the seniors the whole club what what's the whole club like at the moment how are they progressing um how are things like how's how's the season going yeah no especially with the 18s um the the season the season's a slow start to the season but i think that 
definitely picked up a lot of form in the past two months. Like the lads are definitely buying into the program. And listen, it's been tough for the 18s. Um, it's been tough for them dealing with they haven't it hasn't been their typical environment of coming into that they're not allowed to practice every day that they've been restricted on the gyms but they've definitely been um coping coping with it well like and then the club is this and as a club as a whole yeah the club's club's great it's like people are just working together the academy works really well together there's a lot of fluidity between 18s and 23s and it's great yeah it's going well and does the likes of the academies and stuff get much exposure to the senior team like there would be the much connection between the two of them yeah, yeah, like like there'd be times when some of teams or even some twenty threes would would link up with the first team and train, but at the minute it's quite separate because of the the COVID kind of situation. So we're training in a different facility. Um, but in a way, it's been good at the same time because we're just focusing on ourselves and they're focusing on ourselves. But sooner or later, like we'll be down the training ground again soon, and everyone will link up and it'll be fine yeah, again. Like be fine. You know? And do, like. Do you ever get like a buzz off like if you've worked with a certain player or anything and they get called up and stuff like that there? Do you, like do you feel like a proud or proud father or anything like that there? Yeah, no, that's that's what it is. Like like we always say, like we're just trying to get, make as many as a team, like even my our manager, like especially on Andy Sharp and Andy Holder, they're great. Like we're just always trying to produce players. Like we're literally trying to help these lads just get to the next level. Yeah. And they and they do become like um, one of our managers always talk, they do become like your their family essentially because you spend every single day with them all yeah. with the same goals to be professional footballers so i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of planning and stuff goes into the background how we're trying to make these lads as good as it can be from yeah. a from a physical side by myself and coaching aspect from an analyst aspect and then with the physio as well like so yeah we're just oh everyone with the same goal is trying to just improve the players and get them to the next level yeah so yeah i suppose you would become very invested in them like and like I'm sure in a few like in ten years or ten years down the line, even if you see one of them in the Premier League, you'd be like, you'd be waving your hand, be like, I I produced that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me a ticket more, like that's what I'll be saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that up listen, it is like you do. Like I've even some lads that I worked with the crew that I would still keep in, in contact and everyone to do good things as well. So no, it is, it is good. Like you do get a lot of um, you do get a good feeling when they when they progress well or they go into the team and they play up a level. Like it is good. Like that's why we do the job. Like essentially, we're just trying to do the best for the lads. Yeah, and then what's it, what's it like like um going to the likes of big grounds and stuff? You know what I mean? Like, like I don't think it would really sink in. You know, if you're bombing over to um Anfield or something for like a youth cup game or something. What what is those sort of situations like? Does it like do you be like amazed like still like that? Yeah, li- li- listen because we. We play at an 18s level, so we typically tra- play our games at the training grounds. But listen, there has been occasions where we've had challenge games and stuff at stadiums and been in stadiums and stuff. But uh, listen, it is good. Like, but I think that's when I tell people that, like, I think people say, "Oh, that's class," but it, it just becomes part of the, the job. The like, like we're on, on on Friday night now, we're playing Leicester and we're going to their new training ground. And I got, as I, it'd be great to see that because all people are talking about it at the minute. But at the same time, I think it just becomes part of the job, like traveling around and. Yeah. Home games and away games, etc. But yeah, it's, it's good. Like it's one of the perks of the job, like isn't it? Yeah. And do do you enjoy um those like away days and stuff? Like what are they like compared? Yeah, to no. They, listen, <laughs> the, the away days are good. Like the away days are good. Like we um not when you get beat though, but listen, they're good. Like I think now, like next week we or two weeks now from now we play Ipswich away and we'll go over and we'll stay over and the night before and yeah, it's just part of the part of the job. Like you know. Good. Yeah. Good. And see, even outside of training, actually, 
is there is there much like communication or banter between all the guys and stuff like would they be really close outside of training as well or would it literally be you come in do your job and go out again no no the lads especially with the lads now like staffing wise like we're all really close staffing wise like um but i think it's a case of we we probably do everyone's heads in so much in work that it's like i don't want to see you like oh especially my manager it's a break <laughs> yeah exactly i need a break me. but i think that within up the lads like all the lads are really really close and i think that's what they're all again they're just all lads trying to working towards the same goal and um, but they do i know i know for a fact the lads that i work with hang about with each other loads over like outside of um outside of uh, work like or outside of playing football which is good which is good yeah definitely is definitely is and even um then see when it comes to the likes of summer and stuff when like the season's over and stuff what way does it work for you then like do you still do you still be like in in office as such like working away or what what do you get a break as well so we will we'll, we'll tend to get a break but what will happen is though we will get a bit of a break but we will have like per off season so for example towards the end of the season we'll probably get about two weeks off where I can go you know, on holidays and go home, I'll probably come home for two weeks. Um, but then we'll come back and it'll be kind of getting everything in place. And we'll do off season. So the boys probably come in two or three times a week to get their lifting in, build a big off season. And then once it hits the start of the job, it's full throttle pre-season for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that will be a week away somewhere at the start of it or training camp or whatever we're going to do. But then that'll all get organized by, by higher up than me. So, yeah, it'll be good, like, yeah. It's going to be then, Yeah, so we're actually, we are going to talk a wee bit about GA specifically, but that's something I find crazy as well, is that big teams like that can literally do a pre-season in six weeks, and then over here for a small club team, we're, like, doing three months of pre-season and stuff, starting in, like, December, January, and the league's not starting to, like, April yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think the difference in that is as well, I think that, see, the thing is, we're, we're, that six weeks is full-time. Yeah. So I think yeah. it would probably make sense that it's spread out a wee bit more for the GA players, but like we'll come in and that is literally five, six days a week for six weeks, like, and that'll yeah. be all programmed. The, the boys were all their GPS that'll be tracked every single day. So I think, listen, it's a condensed period, but it's kind of one of them things really they have to have to do, like. Yeah. You know? And do you do you take much ownership for, um, what the guys do outside of sort of training and stuff? Like, would they would they have any sort of things that they would have to follow outside of training in terms of eating, in terms of structure, like are they allowed to go out and stuff like that there or what is it quite strict or yeah so so from like uh from like a nutritional perspective it's all I can do is educate the lads on what they need to eat and do, whether that's their their hitting their protein intake, the carb intake, having more carbohydrates in certain days where their their pitch load has been more, all that kind of stuff. Uh, all I can do is advise them on that. But as soon as they leave the gates they can go do what they want really. Like they're not restricted in terms of what they can do and can't do really like yeah yeah Yeah, it's not as bad as some people think it is like yeah no it's definitely not no it's not happy days so yeah just moving on to the ga stuff then um i suppose let's start with gym work uh because i think it's quite neglected um and i know gyms are closed at the minute but this time of year like in the off season and coming into pre-season what sort of stuff should uh, ga players be focused on within the gym whether it be when the gyms are open and at the minute when they're closed Okay, so I think that you kind of have to break it up into a couple of two, two or three ways to answer the question. So I think that now that the gyms aren't open, um, now the gyms aren't open, probably people are doing home workouts, et cetera, and all this kind of stuff. So if I had to give some advice to people, I'd say get out and run, 
to do proper speed sessions. And I mean, sprint maximally with loads of rest because what tends to happen is that people won't sprint for a, like, a, like two, three months at a time. They'll be sedentary. They'll do 5Ks and 10Ks. They won't sprint. And then they'll come into the first week of training and they'll probably go into a game in the first couple of days of training or they'll do some speed work and there's going to be hamstrings blown everywhere. Uh, or maybe not then, but definitely there's going to be a build-up of workload and then people will just break down. So I think that's the first thing. So what they can do in terms of trying to prevent that um, with, with no gym, they could do the plyometric work in, in, in-house plyometric work, which is all your kind of more reactive base work, your pogos, your bounds, etc. They can do isometric work. Um, so I've got isometric work on my Instagram page as well. They can do some of that, or you can just even Google isometric work. Um, and with, and then the other thing is what they could do is it's, you're very limited if you don't have any equipment either as well. And the only thing yeah. you can do then is get out and do some high quality sprinting, but that's probably really it. Is there, um, is there a way to ease into the sprinting or should you literally just go max effort? Like from the first day you start sort of prepping towards it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I mean. Like this, this topic would require a whole, just a whole podcast on, yeah, on its own. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. Again, so if I was to give any advice for someone who's completely sedentary now for about six weeks, I would say literally over the next couple of weeks, you always base it for me personally. I always base it off the speed. So the first couple of weeks, do some, just do some tempo work. Literally do some tempo work. So I mean, hundred meters, um, in twenty seconds. Nice smooth runner mechanics. And then take a rest and do one, like maybe three sets of six at that. So 20 on, 40 off, three sets of six at that. Like maybe do that two or three times a week, right? The next week, you can swap out one of them sessions and put in a more mass-based session. So it could be 15 on, 30 off. So the speed probably gets slightly higher and it gets a bit more intense. Towards in that week, you can maybe do a couple of sprints to hit around maybe 85% of your max. And then towards the next week, you can hit 90% and you can change the transition of the running and then you're, you're, you're going to be able to hit. So what happens is people just plod along and just go bang. And then they'll just, because you need to prepare your body for that volume. You need to build up the volume to be able to do the intense stuff. Yeah. I think that's where people get it wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. And then is that um, just flat sprinting or hill sprints or do you, do you even delve into hill sprints at all? Do you think, find them effective at all? Yeah, yeah, I think I think definitely hills, but it is another question because hill sprinting is good for replicating acceleration mechanics because you're forced into that forward lean position to push down and back to go up the hill. Do you know what I mean? So again, if you want to, if, if you're someone who wants to improve your acceleration with no gym equipment or nothing, I would say get on the hills. Again, max effort reps up over 20, 30 meters up a hill, come down, rest those, and go again. Um, but I think that again, it would be something good to put into the start of a program because because you're running uphill, you don't have to extend your leg further. Then when you don't extend your leg further, you're not hitting your hamstrings more. So it could be a good replacement to ease into your running. Yeah, the sort. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but then it depends what the whole structure looks like and where you are in the program and how many days you can get exposed. I think this is where the complexity of a program comes into play, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, whenever people are sort of adding in that sprint work and tempos and stuff, is that allowing them to build up a base as well in terms of aerobically? Yeah, yeah. So the temp, the tempos, we mostly aerobic stuff to be fair, yeah. And then in terms of if you're doing an aerobic session, you could do your tempo work. And then after that, you could do, I don't know, three blocks of four minute runs with, with some type of fart lecturing. And so it would be maybe 50%. And then for maybe a set distance, you go up to 75% and then it leaves off, something like that. Do you know what I mean? But I think that yeah. the one thing with people are always doing five and 10Ks, 
they're probably only doing about 20, 30% of their max speed. Yeah. So it's not going to prep them for playing sport or playing Gaelic football, essentially. Yeah. I know, yeah, because you see you see a lot of teams, even even coaches in the teams like prescribing that. Um, because obviously just not educated enough on it. Um, but they're like, yeah, go out, like start with three Ks, build up to five Ks, go to ten Ks and stuff. And they're like they tell them like, oh, this we're building the base and all. And in the first session back, there's like sprints and changes. Yeah, well, I think I think and... what, what people realize is you have to build the base on the opposite side if you're gonna build any base because the closer you get to competition the volume has to drop and you have to get more specific to the actual event you're about to do. So for example, if you take Gaelic football, what does it have? It has acceleration. It is like deacceleration. It has jumps. It has landings. It has change of direction. It has high speed running. It is sprinting. Yeah. So if your plan doesn't involve any of that stuff, one of them factors could cause an injury if you're not training it essentially. So for example, if you haven't practiced change of direction in six months and your first session back, you're doing a lot of doggies, you're doing like, ones v ones and twos v twos you could you could you could blow an ankle somewhere do you know what i mean yeah yeah because it's a high because it's got it's change of direction is high eccentric loads you have to absorb load and produce it really quickly so if you're not strong eccentrically because you haven't trained it for so long you're just gonna end up injuring yourself i think that's what people don't understand yeah big time big time and um suppose moving uh moving on then towards um closer to the season uh, mm-hmm. what or even when the season season's going up and running do you continue mm-hmm. on that sort of speed training separately from like i know most clubs will train maybe monday wednesday game friday yeah do you, do you continue on sprint work outside of that and stuff so my answer would be no because they, they, they their speed training should be incorporated into their training sessions so for example the way i do i know from my lads like they, they come in on a tuesday We'll do our we'll do a warm up and then because you want to first of all there's no point training speed at the end of a session because in order for to improve speed and hit them high velocities and then high speed you need to be fresh. Mm-hmm. So there's no point doing a massive session and at the end of the session saying right we'll do four forty meter sprints because you're not going to hit them velocities because you're in a fatigue state. Yeah. Okay, so I think that after the warm up. You go 70%, 80%, 90% runs, and then you could do, for example, three, three to four 40 meter sprints max out with loads of rest. You have you have to give them loads of rest between every rep because there's no point going right 40 meter sprints, draw back, go again. Because they're still going to be burnt out from that first rep. Yeah. So I think that's what people true speed training needs a load of rest in between every rep to hit them high velocities. And I think that they should be getting by the time the in season comes, it's all it's all geared towards football. It's all about football. It's all about practicing the sport and get better at the sport and tactics and tactical work and tactical work. So I think that the running shouldn't if if you feel that you need to get a bit fitter, listen, there's no harm in, in going and doing a run or something on a on a Sunday. But then as long as it doesn't affect your training session, because essentially for a team sport player, it's how you perform in training on Wednesday and Thursday. It's gonna put you in the team. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. You can't you can't ruin your chances by going to do an extra run to the weekend. That's why it's so important that you build up your fitness level. So when you get into the season, that you just focus on football. Yeah, you don't have to worry about um, trying to build up fitness and speed and all that there. Exactly. Um, you've, already done, you've already done the hard work. And I think I'll just touch on this one. I think in terms of the gym side of stuff as well, uh, I've done a presentation last night and one of the questions was, should you train speed in, or should you train legs in season? Yeah. And my, my answer is yes, you should. Because what people don't understand is that relative strength 
So basically what relative strength is the amount you can lift um, in ratio to your body. So for example, if you can squat, if you're 80 kg and you squat 80 kg for one rep, you can squat one times body weight. But if you're if you weigh 80 kg and you can squat 160, you can squat two times body weight. So the kind of the kind of go-to metric that I have is I want my athletes to be able to squat 1.5 or, or in a major lift, 1.5 to two times body weight. So that so that's been shown if they have really good relative strength, they're less exposed to injury. Okay, so that's yeah. what that has been, that's been shown in the research and that's been well documented. So I think that what people don't realize is if your relative strength starts to drop in season because you're not going to the gym and you're not exposing yourself to that strength work, then you're, la- you're leaving yourself open for injury. Because yeah. as soon as you can't replicate the forces that you do in your strength work, then as soon as that drops, you're liable to, to get injured. So I think that, so that's not a case of when I talk about strength work, I talk about anything over 85% of your max. So mm-hmm. I think the way, what people think is, oh, like, how can I go and do five fives during the week, like at 80% or 85% or whatever. But then I'll say that, but you can go into the gym and you can do four sets of one at 90%. Yeah. Like that's yeah. four reps. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? People, th- people so- have this thing that lifting heavy causes muscle soreness and DOMS. And then obviously they don't want to do, they don't want to take that into the training. But what people don't understand is that muscle soreness and DOMS is caused by more eccentric load. So if you do five sets of five, that's 25 reps. But if you do at, at 70%, that's 25 yeah. reps. But if you do four sets of two <laughs> at 85%, that's six, eight reps. Yeah. Then you can massive also, difference. Like. It's a massive difference there, do you know what I mean? So I think that's what, in terms of this is how programming and how complex programming comes in you know yeah. I mean? and why it's so important. That's yeah. what I Yeah, and people don't realize that. And you even see a lot of people will do the gym work in the off season and pre season, and when the season starts, they tend to like just forget about it, kind of thing. Um, because yeah. they're like, yeah, that, that same thing where they're afraid of it affecting. They're sort of like afraid of doing legs and stuff in case they're tired for the train on the Wednesday. You know what I mean? And exactly. Like but I think are. I think this is what people, like this is one thing I spoke about last night. I think that what people do is the first of all it depends on so for example i can speak in our case that we will have a training session on a tuesday and i'll take the lad and do legs on a tuesday so if you're going to train their legs just hit them all on one day do you know what i mean don't try don't try and spread the load don't be going like train on a thursday or train on a tuesday um legs on a wednesday train on a thursday legs on a friday game because you're spreading out the workload throughout the week yeah, your body doesn't even get a chance to recover like your body doesn't get a chance to recover so just do your running session then go into the gym and lift yeah, I know people that might sound to people, geez, that's mad, but trust me, it's not, it's not that mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I know, I know lots of people would assume, like, uh, oh, if I train now, how, how am I going to be fit to do a run after this and stuff? Um, yeah, exactly. So, go, so for example, any advice that I would give on the Tuesday session, the Monday session, whatever way it works in terms of your weekly structure, go on a Monday, do your, your, I presume a Monday will be more a bigger session, open out spaces. You can do your sprinting on a Monday, for example, go into the gym. Do your five sets of five. So do your vol- do your more volume based session. Do your five sets of five. Do your Nordics. Do your ODLs and your step ups, for example. Yeah. Right. And then towards the end of the week, when the game is, then I'll go again. So you'll be off to say you're off Tuesday. Then on a Wednesday, you'll do your session. That'll kind of be a match prep session, I presume, where everything will be tapered and it'll be a lot faster to prep for the game on the Wednesday. So your gym session on the Wednesday will be your power work. So go in, do your plyos, your uh, loaded jumps, your squat jumps four sets of one, wee bit of groin work, whatever you want to do. There you go. Yeah, so what you've done, again. Yeah, right. exactly. Well, listen, I, 
I'm in terms of the minimum effective dose, I think you need to provide a good enough dose that you're still going to get adaptation. But again, yeah, yeah. very much in season, it is about strength, maintenance, and maintenance of qualities. So I think that as again, as you look at that structure, which I've just put up, which I've just said about on the Monday, it's higher volume. Then towards the end of the week, it's higher intensity because you're lifting heavier and you uh, jump. The volume comes down. And the volume comes down. So then, because the volumes went down, you're not carrying fatigue into the game. So you've got the yeah. Wednesday, you've got Thursday off, and then you're primed for the game. Yeah. So that's typically the structure I would look at if I was looking to get a full boost. Yeah. Happy days. No, that's perfect. And no excuses now for anyone listening. <laughs> they know exactly what they should be doing. And a few few myths bust there as well. Um, because there's, there's plenty of them that goes about in terms of strength work for. For yeah. athletes and particularly around GA as well because uh, it's just so so behind as we talked about before this um for this um recording as well so then we're just going to finish off um with i finish off with these questions with everyone um mm-hmm. just a few quick fire questions so number one would be what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given um i think the best piece of advice i was actually thinking about this before i think the best piece of advice i've been given would probably be my 18s manager uh Basically, he said, like, you can only control the controllable. So, obviously, we've, we've been dealt with different situations and in terms of like, getting in the gym. And you, you literally can only control what you can control, whether that be in your gym program or that be in life, essentially. So, what I would just say is just focus on yourself and do what you can with the best of, of your ability or best of the resources you've got. Yeah, that's an yeah. awesome one. That's something I've been using with my clients the past while is, like, yeah control what you can control and like don't worry about the stuff you can't control because you can't change it you know yeah, what I mean? yeah you can't change it so what's the point yeah yeah you're just you're wasting energy and time on it like yeah. thinking about it it's 100%. like these lockdowns um like i know they can be difficult but like at the end of the day like you have no say in it so there's no point in worrying about it because the more you shout about like how much you hate them and how pointless they are that's still like the government don't care literally about your like a wee opinion no. like so just exactly. focus on and i think that yeah, like there's always like like people are can cry about not having gyms and stuff, but in terms of the performance aspect or a weight loss aspect or whatever, whatever you know, people's different realms are, there's always something you can be doing, whether that be yeah. mobility work, whether that be going out for a walk, whether it be sprinting, jumping. Like there's, there's a good good enough toolbox there to work with. Definitely, you know? definitely. Or, 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 or from from a from a Gaelic from a Gaelic perspective in terms of skills, like you, there's a there's a wall and there's a ball. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's it's that thing. Like I I said a few people as well. Like they're like, oh, I'm I'm not gonna start losing weight and stuff to the gyms open. And I'm like, the the government didn't take away your food. That like they didn't take away your body weight stuff. They haven't taken away your running. Like so exactly. Why why do you need the gym right now? Kind of thing. And like uh, that's like that's another thing. People are like, yeah, like I need the gym, but like you ask them to do body weight press ups and they can't do them kind of thing like so it's like you have you have even better resources right there and um, exactly. you just like you're just afraid to use them like just basically people using that as an excuse nearly i would say back to that do you even deserve to be in a gym if you can't do 10 press-ups do you yeah, know what i mean yeah. earn the, you know felt a bit of yeah, a earn the, yeah oh yeah definitely you, know. you need yeah you need to earn your place in there like exactly and then uh question number two then what motivates you so why why, why did you go through all that um to get to where you are uh, I think it's just pure passion for what I do. Like I will, my sister always, <laughs> my sister always says to me that um, the only thing I care about is like reading about strength training and books <laughs> and stuff. And she, like this, she's like, there's none else to you than lifting. Yeah. She's like, I've never seen anyone who's more obsessive 
weight plates and like yeah. uh, a barbell. But I think <laughs> I think it's just the pure the pure passion of just the way, what I have in the industry. So again, helping, loving what I do and helping people. I think that's that's why I do it all. Like I like I'll read loads and loads, just trying to improve myself. And I, at the end of the day, it's just to help people get to where they want to be. Like yeah. from a performance aspect or from a rehabilitation aspect or an injury aspect. And yeah, that's that's kind of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. just helping people purely class class yeah no <laughs> people that people that aren't there don't really understand do they like like so your sister probably like thinks you're a wing nut like yeah you know probably yes yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh but um no it's brilliant and then the last one then is um what do you feel it takes to live a part of life so in terms of what are the main non-negotiables and habits and behaviors you feel someone needs to like live basically high performance high standard yeah. life yeah I think that I was thinking about this question you asked me. And I think that first of all, on this on this topic, people need to buy the book called The Atomic Habits. Yeah. Have you read Have you read it yourself? Yeah, yeah, recommend yeah, it's everyone. Yeah, um, um, unbelievable book. Unbelievable book. Really, really has ha- helped me and helped a lot of stuff that I try and do recently. I think that in terms of building like a high performance lifestyle or trying to anyway, I think that time utilization is key. I think that you need to get off like looking at social media and being so obsessed with what other people are doing, just get on with your own thing. Like just do you and just do you and don't focus on anywhere else. And listen, at the end of the day, whether you do an Instagram page or a podcast, or there's going to be some people that just don't, aren't having you. And some people will, and that's just the case of it. Like, um, I also think that if you're trying to be a certain person, you need to, you need to have certain characteristics. So for example, me, like just say I wanted to be the world best coach. Mm-hmm. So what do, what does a coach need to have? They need to have good knowledge of training. So they need to train themselves. They need to um, live kind of a lifestyle they're trying to preach to their people. So for example, for walk me, non- walk, like- exactly. So non-negotiables for me, I walk every day. I'll I'll read at least an hour every day on something to help my knowledge. I'll I'll train every day, and I'll take my supplements every day. So that's like four non-negotiables for me. Yeah. Um, and that's just leadership, want... like you showing leadership qualities as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Own. I think that like like again, like so I'm a coach and and like I want to be able to teach this and preach this, and so I'll lift, I'll sprint, I'll I'll have a hybrid of everything in my program. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and then in terms of being knowledgeable, like so instead of just reading the bit, like I I I used to be terrible at reading, terrible at reading. Yeah, and it wasn't like Same. I need to. Read <laughs> I wasn't like I needed to read like I was like right I want to read a book but I wanted to like become a reader yeah. so I'll read like at least an hour every day now um yeah. just any books like between strength books and training books and everything yeah. to be honest yeah. so I think yeah. that's kind of the, the key kind of advice that we give on that yeah you learn so much from books actually because that's something I sort of regret growing up is like I used to be like first of all I struggled to read and then I absolutely hated it. I just found it so boring. I was like, I could be doing something better in my time now. But now you see that, like, whenever you get older and stuff, you're like, that's where the knowledge comes from. You know what I mean? That's that how like, you improve that like, things. Like, that... more, but, like, the thing is, most of the stuff I talk about, like, it's that you've been in the research and you've been in stuff for the last 30, 40 years. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not new. new. Like, yeah, I wish, yeah. same as yourself, like, I wish when I was, like, 14, 15, 16, I would have picked up a strength initiative. But... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because like, you know I mean? even even podcasts now, and that's what I said in the introduction to this. Like, um, but why I started it and stuff was because podcasts were like godsend to me. Like, because I, I I struggle to read, and uh, and that's because I never did it. Uh, but whenever podcasts come, I was like being able to feed me with the information that I needed. 
know what I mean, mm. without having to read. But I've also picked up reading as well because there's just so much value in it, and it's it's quite good for the mind or something. I don't exactly, know. Like, yeah, it's like, good. You're away from your phone and all, like, and then um, yeah. I mean, I'm reading that um All Blacks book at the minute, actually Legacy. You don't know if you've read it or not. No, I haven't actually. Oh, no. definitely read it. It's just it's really interesting about the different like qualities, characters, like leadership um abilities and stuff. Uh, within that All Blacks teams, like, and it's unbelievable. It's, de- it's definitely something you'll be able to bring across, actually. So, I definitely recommend reading it if you get a chance. Yeah, no, no, well, man, I'll get into it. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you ever get through all those strength and conditioning, oh, books. Tell you, <laughs> mate, it's, it's like 20 of them in my room, <laughs> literally. Yeah, and then just finishing off, um, I know you've mentioned it a wee bit, but where can people find you just on different platforms and stuff? So, to be fair, I, I can only mainly use one or two platforms Twitter. Um, on Twitter is Ryan Dev Ten, and the main one to find me is probably Instagram, Ordy Performance underscore. Yeah, and that's probably the main. Listen, you can find me on Facebook as Ryan, but I don't really put my stuff up on Facebook at all. Uh, so the main one would probably be Instagram at Ordy Performance. Yeah, do you, do you get into any arguments on Twitter with um, no. those sort of American coaches and stuff? No, no? Stay, I stay away. <laughs> from, I stay away from all that. I stay uh, away happy. from all that. Happy days, yeah. No, sure. And um, make sure to track check Ryan out. Um, I've obviously been on his pages and stuff, and he shares massive, massive value and um, more value than anyone else really does. Um, and it's actually stuff that you can implement in action right away as well. Um, and visuals as well. So yeah, that's um, it was a pleasure having you in the show. Obviously, uh, to share that story, I think it's a class story. Like just showing like resilience and patience and all, and just a pure passion to like go somewhere and um, with what you're passionate about. Um, so hopefully someday we will see you leading leading the line for a Premier League yeah. club and like have having a wee group. Maybe even maybe even a Premier League winners medal. Do you, do you get go, them? Mate. Yeah, staff would get them, wouldn't they? There you go, mate. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. Right. happy days. So hopefully we'll see you there. But no, thanks everyone for listening. Um, just make sure to share on your stories and give us any reviews and all feedbacks. Obviously appreciated. And the more feedback I can get, the better these are gonna be. Um, but no, for now I'm out.